Welcome to Eurodollar University with Jeff Snyder. My name is Emil Kalinowski, and today we're going to be going over the most recent report on retail sales in the United States. Retail sales, of course, a, a reflection on the most important economic segment in the world, the American consumer. Now, the headline numbers were great, great. Let me see here. They said retail sales year over year. For the month of April, the U.S. Census Bureau said that they were up 8.2%, which is an acceleration over the 7.3%. Jeff, good news. Yeah, and the monthly number was even better. It was expected to be mildly positive, and it came out, I think, double the rate that the consensus. So from March to April was also a very good number, too. Now, sometimes what happens is... You know, always what happens is they include gasoline station sales. And that's sort of, you know, we, so we, it would be good to exclude that if we want to get a view on the American consumer, right? It's not something that you're thrilled to be paying. So what about the numbers if we exclude uh, gasoline sales? Was it also good, positive result? It was actually even better than expected. Because gasoline sales month over month were down on a seasonally adjusted basis because the price of gasoline, well, the price, well, the the volume of gasoline backed off a little bit from March to April. So on a seasonally adjusted basis, gasoline sales or retail sales at gasoline stations, which includes all the things besides gasoline, but mostly gasoline. So that they were down a little bit on the month, which meant that the rest of the retail consumer report was even better than expected in nominal terms anyway. And perhaps, oh, that's the key, ladies and gentlemen. I didn't let you know. We're going to identify the super everything is awesome nominal headlines versus what, what happens when you look at it in real terms or in units. Okay. Now, Jeff, one of the other items in your article here, and if anyone wants to read along, they can go to the Alhambra blog where you blog daily. Turn to the post on the 17th of May, 2022, and look for the title, Shipping around retail inflation. Jeff, one of the key winners continues to be non-store retailers. And we've got a graph here that shows what explains what happened to the supply chain, right? We've got a a nice trend. I don't know. I would say that's like a 15 degree off the horizon growth rate for since 2016 until early 2020. And then we've got this surge right when the COVID lockdowns went down. You've got it here labeled as helicopters 2020. Through the first half of the year, we got an absolute surge, right? So we rebased to a new level because we were all locked into our houses. We ordered everything online. But even afterwards, Jeff, we are now on a trend that is higher, faster, at a higher level, a higher baseline level, Now we're accelerating. I would say this is a 20 degree increase off the horizon. So tell us what we should think about retail sales from non-store retailers. Yeah, as you said, it was an abrupt systemic change that when, you know, 2020, we had to stay home or at least we chose to stay home. Many people somewhat flush with some cash from the government in 2020, then very flush with cash from the government in 2021 decided that while they're home doing nothing else because they can't go to the local pub because the pub's closed down, they can't eat out at dinner because that's closed down, they just started buying stuff from Amazon. And what really happened was 
that altered the way the supply chain actually works. We have a supply chain, at least before 2020, that was set up to ship goods from producers through wholesalers to stores. So we have a supply chain that was oriented around brick and mortar. Yes, there was more that was going into the non-store and Amazon and all this other stuff. But 2020 accelerated the online trend, which caused an enormous problem, an enormous bottleneck, because the supply chain, especially at the closer to the last mile U.S. consumer, was not equipped at that point to handle that volume of goods. And amazingly enough, or maybe it's not amazingly enough, once Americans started shopping on Amazon in 2020, they've kept right on doing it. So they broke their habits of going to the mall and shopping vir- and shopping in real, you know, physical analog fashion. And they decided this online stuff, that's for me. I mean, wh- this is great. I can sit home. Goods are delivered to my front door. I don't need to go anywhere. They make it easy. If I don't like it, I can take, take it back. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. So in one sense, the COVID pandemic and the government overreaction to it accelerated that trend, which has caused enormous all the problems, which we're calling inflation. But it was really a supply shock in terms of the supply side being becoming inelastic, unable to respond in fluid fashion and flexible fashion to that change and increase, as you said, Emil, sustained increase in demand through this online portal. We're calling the headlines, the mainstream media is calling it inflation because consumer prices increased. But it's not inflation in the sense that there's more money in the system caused by the government handing out stimulus checks every single month or the central bank printing money. It's not that inflation. It's not monetary inflation. It's a consumer price increase brought about because of a small e economics shock to the system that was unprepared to react to it. Now, Jeff, in this article, you provide two groups of people here who should be stripping completely into the nude and jumping into the pool of happiness of consumption and economic uh, acceleration, yelling cannonball. This is great. The world's biggest consuming group, Americans, are spending hand over fist retail sales. Shippers should be expanding capacity. And consumers should be very confident now, go ahead and read up on that, ladies and gentlemen. Read up on oh, that. The ship. Yeah, go ahead. What are we going to say? I'm going to say you're, you're leaving it for me to spoil the story. Well, <laughs> yes, you're right. It's, you know, the retail sales at these numbers make it sound like everything is not just hunky dory, that maybe the Fed really does need to swoop in and, and put pump the brakes here because everything is just accelerating out of control. Consumers are way too happy. Shippers must be going gangbusters with all these things. And at least in terms of, of shippers and, and movers of product, they are doing gangbuster business, but not because they're doing more volume, but because prices are way up. And that's really the spoiler here, not just in terms of our story, but also in terms of the real economy and the, and the problems that we're facing in, in 2022, is that nominally things look great. In real terms, they're not. So shippers are saying, you know, th- this thing may have peaked. We're starting to see lower volume expectations moving forward, which has started to creep into lower freight rates and things like that. And then as far as consumers, consumer sentiment is just in the toilet. There's really no other way to say it, whether it's the IBD, TIPP survey, the University of Michigan. They're both the lowest or near the lowest they've been since 2011. So over a decade, consumer sentiment uh, hasn't been that bad. The conference board's numbers are a little bit better. 
But that well, one never recovered, and it's also lower. Yeah, it's better than awful, but yes. <laughs> not in any way corresponding to rip-roaring retail sales and concerning if just looking in isolation. The best of the consumer confidence number is bad, and then the other two mm -hmm. are just extremely – they're legitimately awful. So how do we reconcile these things? How do we reconcile consumer sentiment being as bad as it was in 2011 versus nominal retail sales that are still through the roof? And the answer is Americans are paying a lot more and getting a little bit less. When you pay a lot more and get a little bit less, that tends to make you a little bit angry, tends to make you a little bit unhappy with the way things are going. And eventually, it might make you start to reevaluate how you spend and what you're able to spend on non-discretionary items, which is sort of the classic downside to the historical supply shock case. Jeff, while you were talking, we were showing the paying a lot more, getting a lot less for U.S. retail sales. The analysis you did here by showing the retail sales in nominal terms and then real retail sales adjusted for inflation. And we can see how real retail sales adjusted for inflation. April 2021, they haven't grown at all. That is a disaster, but it's not in isolation. It's not just the United States where we're seeing this. Where else in the world have we seen consumption at nominal highs, but actual volumes, real numbers, stagnant? It's pretty much everywhere. I mean, you can see, I, mean, we, I think we talked about Japan before, Japanese imports, uh, Japanese, some, some of the nominal terms there, way up, actual volumes down. We talked about it in China before, especially iron ore imports, there's stuff going on there. But Europe, Europe, you see nominal retail sales rising, Germany in particular, but then you adjust them for consumer prices. And they're actually even worse than we see in America, which is why uh, many markets are beginning to price Europe as much closer to an actual recession than maybe the U.S. is. Although after today, maybe that's not necessarily the case either, where we're seeing not just uh, uh, one consumer bucket or another struggling with this paying more, getting a little bit less uh, sort of paradigm that we're forced into here. It's that it's a universal phenomenon, which, again, tells you that it's not it's not the Treasury that printed money. Or it's not the Europeans that printed money. It was a global supply shock that hit everybody. And now we're seeing the downside of those things start to emerge. As you said, in the United States, real retail sales, according to the Census Bureau's numbers, they peaked in April of last year. They went down and then sort of recovered a little bit over the last couple of months. But still, flat to sideways is, is actually contraction in a nonlinear world. And on top of this, we always have to keep in mind that retail sales and goods spending is the peak whereas services spending is still incredibly low for the reasons we just identified. So the services economy is never recovered. It wishes it could have this type of nominal expansion, but can't. So even in terms of retail sales, not everything is good as it is. And retail sales actually represent the best of the global economy, and they're not really performing all that well. I remember a few months ago, maybe even six, I mentioned that there was a recent study done by several economists whereby they look to the consumer outlook as predictive of recessions. I know that, of course, the U.S. bond market, the euro dollar futures market have great records in predicting recessions. And they recently inverted a signaled recession potential on the horizon as escalating. 
I remember when we went over that consumer survey that the, they explained their historical analysis. I believe they used the consumer board as well as the Michigan survey. And they said, well, you know, the numbers right now suggest there might be a recession coming up as well. But here are the reasons why the, the analysis may not be accurate. Again, incredible. You come up with the right answer and then you want to explain it away. Well, I just wanted to bring that up that, you know, we're seeing it come to pass more and more. The probabilities are escalating regarding economic slowdown. These consumer numbers. Yes, that's really the point. Right, Emil, is that we've been talking about these things going back to, you know, October and before then in terms of mm -hmm. the monetary system, financial indications. And it's not like we were talking about them and then things went back the other way and everything's fine hunky dory again. It's as we continue to go through the time as month after month, data after data, market, market stuff after market stuff. We keep moving in this same direction. As you mentioned, the study that, that brought up consumer sentiment last year, consumer sentiment has gotten a lot worse <laughs> since then. Incredible. Markets have become a lot more pessimistic since then, including the stock market. Hmm. Now, collateral indications. Collateral has been much, much shorter supply since then. So going back to last year, especially October, which was represented another key inflection point in all of these things, everything continues to move in that direction. And I don't see what's on the horizon that's going to cause a meaningful change that is going to spread around the world very quickly to avoid what seems to be more and more likely base case, which is not inflation. It's, some, it's the, the downside classic supply shock case, which is usually something like a recession and you know everything else that goes along with it. Jeff, I, I get a lot of hate mail, a lot of death threats, and most of it is having to do with our inflation thing. You just said it's not inflation. Perhaps people haven't seen our most recent episode where I brought this to everyone's attention, but again, are you saying that there won't be an increase in consumer prices, or are you saying it's not the expansion of the money supply, the expansion of this tool, money, so it's uh, giving us the ability to conduct economic commerce and increase our wealth, that there's going to be a reduction in the availability of that tool, money. Is that what you're saying? Or are you saying consumer prices will be falling or both? Yes, we have to thank the people who send you hate mail, unfortunately, because they forced us to be more specific. Well, they forced you to respond to them, <laughs> which is forcing me to be more specific about what we talk When we use the word inflation, what exactly are we meaning here? And as we said, I think we've been consistent, at least in pointing out that all along, you know, use the term monetary inflation, which I actually hate, but I think that's a, it's a good description because inflationary money leads to inflation and consumer prices. Those two things go together. But when you have deflationary money, it doesn't necessarily lead to deflationary consumer prices. It does lead to a deflationary economy, but that doesn't necessarily mean that consumer prices have to fall or they have to fall in the United States. They might fall in Europe. They might fall other places around the world. Japan. And what we mean by is deflationary money leads to deflationary consequences, which might mean less consumer price increases. In fact, we would expect there to be a lot less of consumer price increases, even if consumer prices don't fall off again. But that's not really the downside of the deflationary money case. What it really means is something like a recession or outright contraction and output, which is in many ways much worse. Thank you very much, Jeff. All right, take care, Emil.